And we are live from the Empire of Lies and Just Outside the Matrix. This is a show that t- brings you behind the headlines to get to the truth that sometimes is there. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. Two great guests on the show today, Joel Siegel, attorney and uh, uh, life, you know, lifelong Democrat, who will be talking about, obviously, this Roe versus Wade thing. And Joel was up on Capitol Hill for a long time, so he knows about this finagling that's going on about trying to establish legislatively which they don't have votes to do. And we'll talk to Joel about that. Then, since we're gonna be talking about abortion, we might as well have a woman on, but some of you aren't gonna like this. It's a woman who is in favor of babies. Says a pro-life woman, Scotty Nell Hughes. And we'll be talking to her in the second hour and taking your calls throughout the show, 202-521-1320. This is a backstory. Now, normally we're joined by Jason Goodman as the co-host, but Jason, you're the correspondent right now, right? Well, right, exactly. I I wasn't sure if you had my audio. Sorry about that. Now, I'm excited that it's become a biology show. You've got a woman coming on. Excellent. But I'm out on the mean streets of New York City, Lee. I'm heading down. To Foley Square, right outside the courthouse, where at five o'clock there's uh, going to be a big protest, protesting, you know, something that hasn't even been done yet. This information that was leaked by a clerk, apparently, from the Supreme Court. Well, that's what they're saying. So what what happened was late last night, about what time was it? About nine. I guess. When this is the news, uh, the all the wire services are, are running a story. There's this memo had come out saying Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned. It was a draft of a uh, filing by Alito, which had been written in January, February. I mean, forgive me. Yeah. It was it was filed, and it was on some computer that only the justices of the Supreme Court or their clerks would have access to, correct? Is that what you heard, that's what, you heard Jason? That's, yeah. Now, also, did it break on Rachel Maddow's show or was she just one of the people reporting on it? Because she had the Politico reporter on. I wasn't glued to the set to check out Rachel Maddow's hair. Um, well, no, it's so important, sure. though, Lee. It's very important because... There are several people who've been commenting on it. And uh, I I mean, again, this is all just sort of coming together. And I'm trying to get my facts straight here. But, you know, it goes back to this Brookings Institution or Brookings Institute, whichever it is. All these people who are Rhodes Scholars and Brookings Institute fellows. I'm talking about Ben Witties, Matt Tate. Uh, These guys are all hovering around. This story, the guy, there's Lawfare podcast contributors who are involved with breaking this, and it's uh, it's a it's an interesting Maddow, angle of course, on the story. Is a, a Rhodes Scholar, right? That's you're right. So, 
So some people I've heard on Twitter today are calling it a quote-unquote leak. And I don't know right. what the hell they're talking about. That is insane. First off, this information came out. It either came out officially, like it was right. released by the Supreme Court, or it was a leak. That's it. Well, That's a, that, I, I, I think one interpretation could be that, you know, this is a leak that was leaked deliberately to create this chaos. As you said, the thing was written in February. So, I mean... Well, that's obvious. Obviously, the reason to leak it is to create chaos at the court and probably by a clerk for a pro-choice judge, most likely Sotomayor or someone like that. It's I don't likely think that's a judge would do that. I, I think it's a no, clerk. I, 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 I said a clerk yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. One of the clerks for. It's unlikely to be one of Alito's clerks, for instance. Right. Well, I mean, so they fingered this, this Yale law student, this guy, uh, what's his last name? Jane, J-A-I-N, something like that. I haven't seen that. But yeah. the judge, Justice Roberts this morning called for an investigation and other people like Mitch McConnell have called for it. But this is not a conspiracy theory. It was leaked. Period. Right. That's right. how it came out. It was Correct. an official release. Yes. Right? And yes. some people, I apply Occam's razor, a triple braid Occam's razor. Some people are <laughs> saying that this is to distract from the war. No. They don't need to distract from the war. But what I mean by that is they control their information. And it's not like the tide is turning in the information war. It's not like right. ABC came out with stuff that's pro-Russian. This has been, this decision is in the hopper. I was talking right. about it months ago because right. everybody was. Everybody was saying Roe versus Wade could be overturned. And that was long before the Russian invasion of Ukraine was even talked about. Remember right. that? Yeah, absolutely. I would think, given the timing, it's more plausible to allege that it's a distraction from the disinformation governance board. That obviously wasn't too popular. So put this thing out. No, and now I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay, for instance, you've been you're on the streets of New York right now. Yeah. What was the size of the crowd to protest against the information? Zero. Disim right. That's what I'm saying. They didn't need a distraction. Right. Pe people don't care about that. And in fact, right. abortion is the issue that gets people out on the street. It was obvious last right. night at the Supreme Court. Right. Abortion is enough. I say the abortion decision was leaked to make abortion the issue, not to distract from anything, but to focus it on the issue. There's nothing that you need. No, it's not plausible. They didn't need to distract from anything. 
This is a big deal to people because in the court of public opinion, this is a controversial issue, which gets a lot of people to show up. So yeah. I, I, I just think it's making it unnecessarily complicated. Well, Someone, okay, I, t I take your point. I, it's not a distraction per se, but to the extent that any sense of momentum was shifting towards the Elon Musk free speech on Twitter kind of, you know, momentum here, this certainly shifted it back towards people who want to run around in the streets and blow up cop cars because they want to pretend it's in the Constitution that they get to murder a baby if they want to. Now, what are you seeing on the streets in New York right now? Are you seeing... Well, right... Uh, are people... Yeah, what, what's going on? No, no. Right, right now, I'm walking down Fifth Avenue, which if people have been watching Crowdsource the Truth on YouTube or Patreon or Subscribestar, most of the stores are closed. Now, what's happening is there are some new stores coming in, most of which are big international brands. But right here on Fifth Avenue, there's no disruption. The, uh, the protest is scheduled for 5 p.m. at Foley Square. And then there's some other activities scheduled for um, Washington Square Park. So I anticipate what will happen is along the lines of the Black Lives Matter protests that we saw last summer and in 2020, it'll be a very organized sort of thing that'll have loudspeakers and a team of people on bikes with a sophisticated communications network that allows them to alert each other to the presence of people like me, unfriendly journalists, people who might expose who is there doing what, people who might recognize people who are there coordinating and agitating and acting as provocateurs. And that is probably going to move from Foley Square, which is down near City Hall. That is, you know, Black Lives Matter Plaza, where they've painted Black Lives Matter on the street. It's also the location of the African burial ground, which shocked me to learn that most of the Black Lives Matter supporters and most just random people that I stop on the street down there have no idea that it's the African burial ground or that that used to be a location of slave trade. I presume that's why Black Lives Matter selects that as a location to have these protests. But uh, I expect the protest will move from there up to Washington Square Park, where it will morph into an alcohol and weed party that will go on late into the night after the park is closed, to the dismay of residents around the park. And hopefully it will not graduate to violence, but I don't know that we could rely on that. And I also don't know, and I mean this, I don't understand the point of the protests. By the way, pro or con, Supporting, I see some people out there who are pro-life, who are protesting, or waving their rosaries around and so on. I don't right. see the point of either thing. This is a done decision, by which I mean Alito's opinion that he wrote called said Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Alito's opinion is set. It seems to me. It seems to me he's not going to back off and go, oops, I was wrong. Right? But Lee, there's a bigger and they issue say, here. There's a well, bigger and, issue. And, and, but, and, but let me go on. Sure. And I'll come back to you, Jason. And I doubt any of the justices are going to change their opinion. 
Right. That'd be bizarre. I agree. And and so so yes. the protests are tantrum or a gloat fest. Either way, I don't see what it can. It's not like there's going to be a house vote coming up. Now, what there will be is is some kind of vote in the Senate about this. And we'll come back to that. But what were you saying, Jason? Well, there's a bigger issue here that no one is protesting about and is hardly being mentioned, which is that the Supreme Court is intended to be the highest court in the land. If you take somebody to court or are you know, brought up on criminal charges and then you appeal that and you're not satisfied with the appeal, you're supposed to be able to bring it to the Supreme Court. And the clerks of the Supreme Court are not there to be activists who in their sole judgment get to make decisions about how and what the court does. That is not how it's intended to operate. And once the integrity of the court is compromised in the way that it's just been for the first time in history, nobody can rely on justice from the justice system in the United States, whether the issue at question is abortion, somebody being wrongfully brought up on murder charges or whatever. So the fact that nobody is talking about that is perhaps the most troubling development. Well, I saw a lot of talk about that last night. Uh, All right. In some in some circles, legal people saying that this is unprecedented. This leak right. coming out of the Supreme Court is unprecedented. Right. But, but I'm still saying that the protests themselves is a temper tantrum. That's all it well, is. It's not going to affect us. I think it's a color now, revolution because they've told everybody to wear green. Doesn't that sound like a George Soros green revolution? Yes, but I guess. But Soros is clearly uh, a funder. Along, I pointed this out before. Planned Parenthood is a huge funder of the Democrats on any number of issues. It's not strictly on abortion. Right. So the other move is Chuck Schumer said they're going to try to codify this into law, basically. Right. But what this would mean is that there's no constitutional so-called right to privacy. And a lot of people felt that that decision, I've heard some people who are pro-choice say they think that was adjudicated badly. That right to privacy. How so, does it do that? Uh, because it's deciding on a right to privacy. What they argue is that was a you you can be in favor of abortion, but not support the right to privacy as defined by Roe versus Wade. Got it. Because because they're saying it's a more fundamental issue. And I and what's happening is what's the noise here in the background, by the way, Jason? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm walking down the street. There's somebody playing bagpipe music. There's a uh, there's an electrician truck right here for some production going on at the church. All kinds of stuff. No, I was just wondering if it was protesters. Oh, no, no, so no. That's, that was so playing bagpipe music. <laughs> right. Well, bag, bagpipes, by the way, it's very important to note the bagpipes in the age of transgender issues because they're do, do wear kilts. 
And we don't know right. what's going on there. Right. <laughs> or know. what's underneath there. Yeah. Right. And don't check, Jason. No, We don't no. need to know that much. But the true Scotsman uh, won't allow Chuck, it. Chuck Schumer is going to try to codify this into law. But, and there's been a lot of pressure on Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema trying to get them to kill the filibuster. There's a problem, though. Even okay. if they kill the filibuster, the Democrats do not have the votes. Even at, at a 50 threshold, they tried this a few months ago. The Democrats don't have the votes to codify Roe versus Wade, even at 50 votes. So if there is some ulterior motive, it's having them get rid of the filibuster and saying it's to support the pro-choice position when it's going to do nothing of the kind. So Chuck Schumer knows he doesn't have the votes and he's saying, well, we want to get people on record. To which I say, go for it. See, I think abortion is less popular than the Democrats yeah. think it is. Oh, absolutely. They love to tell you that this is what the majority of Americans want, but we've yet to have a vote that bears that out. There's a school bus honking here, Lee. That school children are on their way to the abortion clinic? Or? I don't know. There's only one kid on the bus. I'm not sure who this guy's honking at. Well, the rest were aborted. So Exactly. So so there's a lot of issues, and that's why we'll be talking to Joel Siegel coming up about the legislative issues. Because I yeah. think the fight is going to be on the – and I, I do think that one issue this could affect is let's see how this affects the elections in November. Going yeah. into this, before this issue came up, I'd say there was no possibility that the Republicans did not gain control of the House and Senate. Uh, right? You've hit it. You've hit it. This is it. You're right. And and if it, it it what it will do is this will guarantee some Democrats who might have sat this out right. will vote. You're right. You're right. That's a very good analysis, Lee. I hadn't thought of that, but I agree with you. This is part of their pulling out all the stop strategy and just doing whatever they can possibly think of to get people to vote Democrat. That's a very good point. But but I got to say, even that, this decision, this was written. So right. I don't think the court's goal was to get us to vote for the Democrats. No, it's I, this guy think- who's the clerk. Now, we're about to get no, killed I know. by somebody on a skateboard here. But, but I'm in the park now, and there's no protest activity yet, Lee. But this is okay. where the protest is going to head later in the evening. And I can tell you that this park has uh, basically come completely under control of uh, basically just citizens. It's become an open-air uh, weed flea market. And I think you and I have had many conversations. We both support the legalization of marijuana. But, of course, when people just sell it in the park without renting a retail space or paying taxes, it doesn't do anything to help bolster the economy. It just helps bolster the criminal economy. Yeah, and and there's no way to test quality or whatever. 
Right. But, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I also think that leaking this didn't make much difference. This decision was going to come out before the elections. Uh-huh. And the reaction of this decision, whether it was, it should not have been leaked. But right. even if this wasn't leaked, let's say it came out in a w- week. I don't know when it's supposed to come out. Let's say it had come out in a month, even, and it's same decision. You would have seen just the same Fuhrer. Leaking has made no difference in the Fuhrer. It well, just let me ask you a question. moved it. Yes. Is it possible that judges draft opinions and hand them around and say, hey, I'm thinking about this, and then they talk about it before it ever goes public, and they say, you know what, we're not going to do this, and nobody ever sees it? Uh, to what extent does pulling drafts no, out I've of... Ne- I've never heard of that, because, uh, again, it's it's unusual. And furthermore, the judges in the Supreme Court aren't stupid. They know, because to get confirmed, they doubtlessly have to talk about sorry decisis and other legal issues about every judge, Kavanaugh, anybody. They right, all, but, I mean, I- at their confirmation hearing, were asked about Roe v. Wade, much more than they were asked about the First Amendment, for instance. Right, but I'm just saying, if something is inherently a draft and we see it, it's not something, it, we can't presume that it was the final draft. There might have been quite a few changes made to it. I mean, what they've done is so disruptive to the court and its process, that has got to be the primary focus of this. And already it's getting virtually no attention outside of the concerned legal community. And again, this is what the Democrats, the social engineers, the anarchist, leftist, Marxist people like to do, which is forget the law, forget the facts, forget the evidence. You can even break the law as long as it supports our agenda. But I also think, I, I, I really mean this too, I, I don't want to sound like I'm justifying the leak, because I'm not. But I right. don't see why this matters so much. What I mean by that is, this was going to come out eventually. And when it came out, I don't think there's a bigger reaction because this is leaked. I think uh, I'm just it, saying we don't know that this when it's a draft that inherently means it's not the final version. And we have no idea what could have or might have changed. And now we'll never know because no, the entire no, effort no, surrounding no, this has changed. No, but it could still be changed. And But I'm I'm saying the Alito statement that it was egregiously wrong from the start. I right. think makes it very clear that part of the decision. People have been look, this is not unexpected. People have been writing newspaper articles for I think six months now saying Roe versus Wade is probably about to be overturned. They looked at it and they seen the writing on the wall for Roe versus Wade. But isn't it truly that to some extent that kind of statement is like saying, oh, this particular guy in the stock market has been predicting a crash since 2015 or whatever. There's always somebody who's saying something again and again and again. And then if it, when it happens, they could say, you see, they were right. No, no but, but they were right because the makeup of the court, this is not a hard prediction to make either. Right. Is a right. conservative leaning court. Right. They have a 
clear majority conservative justices. And right. they've made other decisions in the past about abortion that showed the court is willing to look at Roe. And there's nothing about Roe that's sacred. Right. And uh, so I'm saying this, I think that there's no reaction that's more. People would have been upset with this decision if it had come in July, not leaked, yeah. or if it had come now, leaked. And I think right. actually you can make the argument that knowing it ahead of time gives the Republicans longer to prepare for the election disruption. Well, so even that, I mean, they don't have less time to deal with it. So, right. and, and I, I think human nature being what it is, if it had come out the week before the election, I think a lot of Democrats would have voted who might not have otherwise. I don't know if the Democrats will be able to sustain the attention span right. to Good vote point. in such big numbers. Yep. So I just, I hate to break it to all the protesters because I, again, I, I'm saying that the pro-life protesters, this is done. I don't see what difference it makes at this point. And I don't well, think the the nature of what was written in the draft, it doesn't sound like there's any wiggle room for Alito. It sounds like his mind is made up and he's not going to go, oops, I was wrong. I changed that. Well, the good news I is I'm confident that the majority of the people at any of these protests haven't read the draft, haven't read the Constitution, and are just looking for something to be indignant about and get out in the streets and say, my body, my choice, take a vaccine, F the police, whatever they're going to say. Yeah, but even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, and it seems like it is, if yep. Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned, that is a big change. Yeah. It is, yeah. but I mean, look, people still have, I, I think the problem is everyone's acting like this makes abortion illegal. It doesn't. People who live in New York, California, states that are already controlled by Democrats are probably not going to have any difference whatsoever. And people who live in states like Texas and wherever people don't want abortion, these more conservative states, this is the whole point of having state governments and federal governments, isn't it? If everybody wants abortion, move to a state where it's legal. People who don't want it move to a state where they don't allow it. I don't see what the problem and that's is. A, that's an argument, but that's not an argument. If you're pro-choice, that's not an argument that's going to convince anybody. I can tell you in South Dakota where I am, yeah. if this passes the Supreme Court, the minute it does, abortion is illegal in South Dakota. Illegal. As soon as, yeah, this, this, yeah. as soon as this decision is handed down, we have a trigger law. But Jason, right. can we try to call you, can we try to talk to you in an hour? That's a or very good hour? idea, because then everything will be underway and I'll be in place. Let's do that, Lee. Just uh, give me a call so back I mean, and we'll, we'll reconnect. Yeah. 
Let's talk to Joel Siegel coming up after the break. And then a half hour, Jason. Not an hour. I misspoke. Yeah, no, a half that's hour. That'll be perfect. That'll be perfect. Okay. Yeah. Jason Goodman, our correspondent in New York. And see if you can meet a girl, Jason. Just well, saying. I'm going to have Charles Ortel with me, and I'll be doing a live stream simultaneously so people will be able to watch on YouTube as well. He's going to be your wingman? He's going to be there with me, yeah. No, I'm, I meant wingman because you're going to try to pick up a girl. Ah, exactly. Perfect. I said last night, anybody who can't get laid at a pro-abortion demonstration, you're doing yeah, something wrong. So, yep. <laughs> so if, if some cute lady asks you, say, I'm pro-choice, and don't tell her you mean on vaccines. Right, just exactly. Just go with it. <laughs> so coming up after this break, the great Joel Siegel... You're listening to a free speech zone, an oasis of free speech in the empire of lies. This is the backstory. back the backstory is on 105.5 fm am 1390 joining us now great friend of the show joel siegel legislature writer writer of legislation funky bass player joel how you doing i was just rehearsing when you called i'm doing good how are you good now what were you were you pricing slapping and popping well, I have a regular jazz gig now on Monday nights, and um, it's traditional jazz, but they want me to play more of the funk jazz. So yeah, I was figuring out thumping and plucking within a traditional jazz song, but I've been, I, I did it uh, last night. It worked out good. That's great. Is this the same gig you've had for month, for a while? No, it's uh, just a few months. Um, yeah, it's just very recent. A good friend of mine named Jack Obia, and... I'd say these are probably some of the best jazz musicians in the world. All of them are nationally renowned. They travel across the country. They do a jazz thing on Monday night. And I sat in a few months ago, and they asked me to be a permanent part of the um, the band. And you know, there's another bass player who's my my bass idol. But I play, yeah, I play about half the half the night. It's wonderful. It's incredible mm-hmm. to play again, play live. It's my dream come true to play again live. I'm not and- and Joel, let me ask you to talk directly into the phone because we're having a bad signal with you. And if you talk directly into the phone, it might be a little better. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. That fixed that fixed it. Now who is the bass player you say is your idol? Who's my major idol? Uh well, there's a guy named Gerard Benson who's been playing jazz for, you know, 40, 50 years. And he play, he, he plays the traditional jazz, and I come up and play more of the funk jazz, but he can play the funk jazz too. But I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I take the uh, tempo pretty, pretty funky. I, I do like Parliament Funkadelic stuff, even in a jazz tune, so it's a lot, a lot of fun. So a little bootsy. Yeah, I do. Like, uh, if we play Global Washington, Mr. Magic, then at the end, I'll vamp on Flashlight. But, you know, I fit it in because I know how to play it. But it's, 
These are right. class musicians. These are people who well, they've all made it, you know, made albums. They're all pretty famous cats. So it's just amazing just to be up there with them and lucky guy. Now I want to talk to you about the Roe versus Wade uh, at, and look at look at the controversy and some of the issues there. But first, I'm going to ask you something about another bass player who you know, who you used to work with, John Conyers. Now, this is uh, the the former Michigan lawmaker. How many how many years did John Conyers serve in Congress? Forty. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this. So if you don't, we'll, we'll go on. But I believe John Conyers, a few years ago in 2016, put forward legislation not to fund the Azov Battalion in Ukraine because they were Nazis. Do you know anything about that? I, I, I don't know. I have no recollection of that one. No, I, I, I heard it was Conyers. But also Mo Khanna, you know who Mo Khanna is, right? Oh, Mo Khanna, sure. Mo Khanna put together this resolution, and it was voted on and passed. Congress passed that they wouldn't fund the Azov Battalion because they're Nazis, because it was well known at that point. And if now it's called Russian propaganda, so... I, I think it's bizarre that something that was passed by Congress is now Russian propaganda. They had it right. The Nazi connections were clear with the Azov Battalion. And at one point, Congress knew it. And I thought Conyers was involved, but I, I wasn't sure. When did when did he leave Congress? Uh, he left Congress, let's see, it was like around 20, I left in 2013. I think it was like, Right around 2018, 2019, something like that. Okay, so so it, this is 2016. What it was is an appropriations. You probably know what this is, an appropriations addendum. What is that a thing? Uh, an addendum. You, you, well, you can have you can have an amendment to an appropriations. Uh, right, right, right. An I misspoke. An appropriations amendment. Where they updated and said we're we, we authorize this, but we're not going to authorize that. What do these amendments do? Uh, what amendments do is so you if you introduce a bill, there's always a series of amendments that are attached to the bill, and then you vote on each amendment. I, I used to hate that. <laughs> Often you had to like I had to figure that out late at night when because some of the staff didn't do their job, you know. <laughs> Uh, so you know, and you have to vote on each amendment, and then if it passes, it's part of the of the bill. Right. Yes, I, I read the amendment. I tried to. You're. I can see where it would be no fun to write because there's no fun to read. It's a lot of out of context. Does that make sense? It's out of context stuff, and just saying this won't happen. This might happen. Yeah, my, the bills that I wrote were always real short, and I wrote them so a 10th grader could, you know, that's why Medicare for All is a very popular bill, because it was 16 pages, and uh, it was just easy to understand, because you don't have to write a bill. You don't want to write a legislation nobody can understand. It's like, that doesn't make sense to do that. You should never write legislation nobody can understand. That, that's, you know, it's ridiculous. So. Now, let me ask you about 
let's take the the leaking issue first. Have you ever heard of a Supreme Court decision being leaked before it was final and a draft being leaked? And do you think it's bad? Forget the content. How bad is this leak? I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't have a problem. If, if, you know, if one is acting in a moral fashion and one really thinks that something is being done that is kind of out of bounds for the Supreme Court, and I, I do think, you know, what the Supreme Court, if it's true, if they're, if, they, if they're going to, you know, make abortion uh, illegal and take decades of, of precedent and with no precedent whatsoever of reversing it, um, that is not what, what's called strict constructionist. The strict constructionist is the idea that you stick to the black letter law, you stick to case president. This, this would clearly be just it would be a political decision based on a, a far right wing Supreme Court uh, abusing their power because they can. And this, if you're a strict constructionist, uh, that's not Republican or Democrat. That's a, that's a, you know ethical and moral uh, legal you know kind of interpretation. Anyone who believes that the Supreme Court needs to stay in a flame and not become political because they're doing it to placate or make someone happy on the far right or the far left, everyone has to come out against that. What happens is a lot of times people who say, oh, the Supreme Court is becoming political, if they're being political and it's the ideology reflects one's politics, then it's like, oh, they're not being political, which is, you know, completely hypocritical. This would be the worst uh, judicial disc- uh, abuse that I've, I've ever seen, you know, and you, whether I was in law school or following case law, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable because wh- why all of a sudden out of thin air are they going to take established law and then reverse it? It's, it's, it's all political. And, and it's, it's, um, this is a really probably the lowest point in the history, in, in my opinion, of the Supreme Court. I, I this is very disappointing. Um, but, you know, that's a democracy. In a democracy, the Supreme Court is allowed to make decisions. In a democracy, the people are allowed to uh, protest in the streets and lobby and uh, do what it takes to make something that was once uh, legal, which then becomes illegal. And, and that's democracy. We have three branches of government, and if you don't like the decision, then you've got to get involved. And uh, it's not – it hadn't happened. It was just leaked. I'm glad it was leaked. That, that gives me as an activist – an opportunity to, to form, you know, an opposition to what would probably be uh, one of the most discriminatory Supreme Court decisions because the majority of women who get abortions are poor, uh, and many of them who are of color. But I have family members who had abortions. I mean, there, there are women of all races, uh, all ethnic communities, all backgrounds who have abortions, but now you're going to have a, abortion immigrants and migrants who have to travel from one state to another for something that's been a right you know, for decades. So I, I don't like it when a Supreme Court does something because of it, an ideological reason. And it, this is strictly ideological. It is. So, but wasn't the, the leaking it was illegal and a, uh, certainly against the rules. Yeah. Uh, if you're a clerk, you're not supposed to leak decisions. Leak right. Happened. I mean, the Pentagon Papers were leaked, and, and I'm glad they were leaked. So sometimes... I'm a big believer in civil disobedience. I'm a big believer in the First Amendment. I'm a big, um, you know, as you know, I was the international director for the Chinese democracy movement for almost 10 years because 
I don't like communism. I like I like freedom. You know, I love I love freedom. I love democracy. I love the First Amendment. I I took two years of constitutional law and I fell in love with the Constitution. And um, you know, you, you don't want to make a habit of it, but something as egregious as this deserved to be leaked because th- this is disgusting. I'm sorry. This is uh, this is a low point in you know jurisprudential history to to, re- to overturn Roe versus Wade. I mean, come on, man! It's been established law for decades, and why, why overturn it? What, what? It's just going to punish poor, poor people. It's discriminatory against poor people and women. Of- well, I think I think Leo's made it clear in, in the draft memo that was leaked. He feels it was egregiously decided in the first place. So, so right or wrong, that's his. And apparently the majority of the court's decision. Now, I'll ask this. I made the point because I think, first off, whether you like the leak or not, someone's going to get in trouble. Judge Roberts came out this morning and said it's accurate. That was an accurate draft and that he started an investigation. So someone's going to get in trouble for this leak. But... Do you think it being leaked changes anything? Because if this decision was going to be made in, let's say, two months, you wouldn't have been in favor of it if it had come out two months from now, right? So what advantage is there, the pro-choice side, of knowing ahead of time what the decision is? It doesn't change the decision. Joel? Well, what happens is if there's an if there's an outcry, um, you know, the Supreme Court, if they really feel like, okay, this is not this is going to tarnish the Supreme Court, you know, well then maybe we shouldn't, you know, you know, overrule for Roe versus Wade. Now, sometimes, I, you know, having been in politics for over forty two years, sometimes leaks leaks can be done um, intentionally, you know, with. You, you don't you don't know what goes on in those back rooms, man. And um, it, it could, there could have been a consensus, or there could have been an agreement for it to be leaked. You know, we don't know. We don't know the backstory, which is what your radio show is called. But um, it's at this point, it's really about what happens when you make a decision where seventy eight percent of the American public is for a woman's right to choose. But basically, you have white men who are telling women of color and 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 poor white women that they know better to do with their body than they do. That's really, that's really a problem. Um, it's a real problem also if you don't do any research uh, and, and to figure out, well, what happens if this decision goes down? I mean, the amount of suffering and the amount of traveling and hardship, which is completely unnecessary. It, you know, when you have a bunch of rich people making decisions for poor people without the input of poor people, I have a real problem with policies or laws being drafted or passed or promulgated without the input of the people. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican or left or right. It's just called, you know, smart or good government or fair jurisprudence. This, this is going to be a disaster. It's, just, it's, a, it's not a disaster if you're, you know, super wealthy and you can go to another state. That's, but if you're poor... It's be- or if you want to have a baby, for instance, if, if you don't want to kill your baby, it's not a problem either. Say it again. Say it again. Many poor people don't want to kill their babies. So for those people, it wouldn't be a problem either. 
many poor women don't want well, I, the, a lot of the reasons for abortions is because this is from data. I'm not making this up. It's because of women realizing, hey, you know, I really cannot afford to raise this kid. Or if it's rape or incest, you know, or, you know, then there, there are laws that, are on the, that people want to pass where you have to, you can't get an abortion even if there's rape or incest. I mean, what kind of cruelty and barbaric, you know, asinine thinking is that? But again, you know, have you ever have you ever known a woman who who was raped and then had a baby? Because because I was seeing one last night. Some women are raped and it's horrible, but they don't take it out on a baby and they can go on to have a baby that they love. I, I, you know, so that happens. I'm just saying there there is another side to this. And uh, I don't I don't we're, we're on. I think if a woman gets raped or there's incest, you don't want to have it. You don't want to, if they want to have the baby, that's, that's, that's fine. But if they, if the law is passed in most of these states, they're not going to have that choice. Imagine having to have a baby after you've been raped by someone you don't know, one of those violent acts or, or there's been incest and you're looking at this baby and you think about that your whole life. Again, I just don't think rich white men on a Supreme Court, uh, you know, or, or far right wing women, white women, should be making decisions like this that are going to impact poor women. Uh, whether they're, you know, it's just this is a this is a class kind of a warfare. But you don't make laws just say, well, we, we're going to go ahead and and uh, reverse Roe versus Wade because we feel like it, and then our right wing base is going to be very happy and. This is this is being driven by politics. Now, you don't. You, well, uh, well, I I think that Alito's decision, which I've not read in full, but he is he's opposed to. He thinks the law was settled wrongly. He thinks Roe versus Wade was a a poorly made legal decision. I don't think he's saying I just feel like this. Well, I'm sure that's what he's saying. I, I, Judge Alito, a rich white guy, feels that I know what's best for all women, especially poor women, because I feel like it. But it's been it's been settled law for decades. This is so you think if he if he really liked black people, he'd support the outrageously high abortion rate. He'd support what Margaret Sanger was in favor of. Margaret Sanger who's a, a racist and eugenicist who spoke to the Ku Klux Klan, if he really loved minorities, he'd kill more of them, right? 78% of the American people want to have a woman's right to choose. How can a, a, a Supreme Court of far right-wing white men and women who are rich tell 78% of the American people that they know what's best for them. This is beyond outrageous, okay? It's, it's outrageous. Well, it's, that's what the ju judge's job is, is to decide things. And uh, let me, on the politics of this, let me, let me, do, you think there's, do you think there's any way that the judges could not know this decision would be very unpopular with some people? They all went through a confirmation process, and they saw the whole people dressed up like fictional characters from Handmaid's Tale. They've heard about this. 
the, the judges, I would say, 100% knew that this would be a controversial, very controversial decision with some people. So, so are, are they now the United States Congress? And do, can they, why would a small group of judges of the Supreme Court, they're there to interpret the law and, and settle cases that usually come from, you know, lower courts, right? What, what, this is not like Brown versus Board, where African-American kids couldn't get an equal education. There were lawsuits saying, you know, there needs to be schools that are uh, black schools to be on par with white schools and must, or there needs to be, you know, integration. This is not, this is not like that. Where, is, is there an outcry among 78% of the American people calling for a reverse of Roe versus Wade? Absolutely not. So this is called- Well, I, I, I think in some states, for instance, in some states, I guarantee you I'm in South Dakota. I don't, that's not what I guarantee you. I just am. I'm in South Dakota. I guarantee you that 78% of people in South Dakota are not in favor of abortion. How do you know that? Pure and simple. But how do you? How Pure do you, and simple. Well, they've taken votes on things, and no, I just know it's a it's a it's a very conservative state, and it's not 78 percent. There's no way. Supreme Court represents the nation. Okay, the majority 78 percent. That's a lot of percent. If the majority of American people, I'll just give you an example of what this looks like to me. What if the Supreme Court said, you know what, we're going to go back to segregated schools. We're going to reverse Brown versus Gord, even though the majority of Americans are in favor of Brown versus Board. We're, we white, well, white people, we white women no. and who are very wealthy, we know what's best for black people and the rest of the American people, and we're going to reverse Brown versus Board. It's the, it's the same thing. It's, it's- Haven't effectively Brown versus Board been overturned at colleges. I've seen black people segregate. I've seen black people at, at colleges all over. They want to have their own proms. They specifically want segregation. They fight for it. So I, I think effectively the, the people looking at overturning segregation right now are black activists. Haven't you seen that, Joel? I don't, I don't think that analogy holds true to this Supreme Court case. Uh, there's Jewish people who have bar mitzvahs. There are white Christians, uh, women where I live, who have uh, white debutante balls. And no one ever talks about, you know, a problem with white people who want to have their own debutante balls, right? So if black people want to have... Actually, I, I hear that all the time. I hear big problems with that. But there have been there black student lounges where they say it's a black space and whites are not allowed. And they segregate. So uh, it, it, the segregation, what's that? That would, be, that would be, I've never heard of that, but if that's the case, uh, I certainly wouldn't be in support of that. I don't, you know, but, but let's, get back to, let's get back to Roe versus Wade. What the Supreme Court is not weighing is what happens to millions and millions of women who, have to, who, who need to get an abortion, which has been their legal right for decades. They live in Texas or they live in many of the red states that are going to outlaw it, what happens to them when they're pregnant? They're going to have to tell their parents, which is going to cause a lot of shame. The community's going to know about it. Everybody's going to know that they got... So you want, you know, Republicans and, and, and conservatives and talk about privacy and freedom, 
well, where's the freedom and not being able to have the choice of, of whether or not to have a baby? They're taking away people's freedom. You know, they talk, the right wing talks about, oh, the, the left wing's going to take away our guns, which, of course, is not going to happen. They are taking away a woman's freedom to choose. This, is a, this is, even goes against conservatism, which is all about liberty and freedom. Women should have the liberty and freedom of choice to decide, you know, whether or not to have a baby. So they're going to restrict a woman's freedom for political gain, for political reasons. It's, it's all politics. It has nothing to do with the well, well, It's political. It's, it's as clear. We'll be talking to Scotty Scott L. Hughes in the next hour, and she's a pro-life woman and was born a woman. And I'll ask her that. But I, I, I think that. No conservative argues you, you have the right to kill somebody. They don't argue that. And, and they, they don't – It's they're not anarchists. You're free to do stuff and that doesn't not, – not including murder. And they believe it's murder. So that's that, – that, hey, Listen, people can believe it's murder. There are other people – who would say, well, it's not, you know, and that's a whole other discussion. When, when is a baby, you know, uh, when is that murder? It's not a, it's really not about that. It's about established law for decades that unilaterally a few rich white people who are right wing conservatives have said, we're going to go tell what's, what we think is best for the majority of, of Americans, if the majority of women, but why there's been no outcry for, for this change, they're just doing it for political reasons. I, I thought that conservatives were for the integrity of the law and strict construction. They're doing it because, let, let's say Alito is uh, against uh, abortion. It, okay, if he's against abortion and a few other members of the Supreme Court, do they then you know, use their power unilaterally to, to, you know, to tell the rest of the country we're against abortion, so therefore we're going to outlaw it. That, that's not how the Supreme Court is supposed to work, okay? And there are going to be many conservative scholars who are going to say this is wrong. They're going to come out and they're going to say it. But this is a travesty of justice. I personally will be organizing as many protests as I can across the – in fact, I've already started organizing. I hope we do Tiananmen Square protest in front of the Supreme Court and, you know, block streets and it has to be legal, no violence. Uh, organizing in front of um, courtrooms across the country because I believe in a woman's right to choose as 78% of the American people believe that as well. Now that, that Well, do you, know, do you know who lives right across the Supreme Court? What's that? S- Steve Bannon, my old boss. So if you need to use the bathroom or anything, <laughs> knock on Bannon's door. He, he literally, you know, there's those townhouses right you know, on the streets surrounding Supreme Court. His office and where he does his radio show is from there. So he's a great place. He uh, can go out and bring the protesters cookies. But if you need to use the restroom, just tell him you're a friend of mine, Joel. I'm sure that'll go over well. Can I ask you a question about Steve Bannon? Can I ask you a question? Why does go ahead. Bannon, why is he writing articles saying that, uh, that in terms of elections, that as part of the Bannon authoritarian strategy is that even if you have to, you know, suspend democracy and create authoritarianism and decide elections based on illegal means, how, how did he go from, from you know, being a businessman 
to want to emulate people like, you know, uh, you know, authoritarian dictators like Chairman Mao. Or, see, how did Steve Bannon make decisions that he was going to go ahead and subvert democracy and come up with strategies to stop free and fair elections? So even if he's your former boss, I have to tell you, he, he's gone astray from conservative principles. Well, I, I agree, but not for those reasons necessarily. But no, Ben Hayes, my guts, no. He, he hasn't talked to me in years. But, uh, him and DeSanto. But I'm even though I, I could give him a fashion hint or two. By the way, anyone could give him a fashion hint or two. Okay. He, if he had one fashion hint, it would be more than he has now. But, Joel, great talking to you. A spirited discussion. You obviously feel passionately about this. Joel Siegel, thanks for coming on. We're Free Speech Zone. Thanks for being guests on The Backstory. We'll talk to you again real soon, and good luck with the new gig. from the Empire of Lies and just outside the Matrix. It's time for the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines and a wider variety of opinions here on The Backstory. I want to thank Joel Siegel. And if it wasn't clear, I like Joel. But I figured, you know, if Joel's going to bring it, if Joel's going to be passionate about position, and say some things like it was arbitrarily decided, I'm gonna push back. And I like the fact that Joel and I did not come to fisticuffs. It was a good discussion, I thought. And let me say this, Rod. Yeah, really. Do you agree that it got passionate on both parts? I was, you know, I was talking about killing babies. Sure. But it stayed civil and good humored. Do you think so? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't nothing personal. It was uh, you were you were explaining where you stand, and uh, Joel was explaining where he stands. And it's not obviously you guys are on different spectrums of this issue. And but it was it was civil. It was diplomatic. It wasn't cursing and nothing personal. And and Rod, let me say this. Get used to this because I think this is the next few months. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that that seems to be the uh, the goal in my in my opinion of how I see this thing. It just to agitate uh, people of both spectrums, just have each other fighting on different issues. And because Joel, and I'm not blaming him, because Joel made it a race issue. Did you hear that? He immediately made this rich white man. Uh, I I I have no problem making a race issue. I think abortion is bad for black people. I think it's been bad historically. I think it's been bad numerically. And I think the existing Margaret Sanger, I'll put it like this. Notice that the Democrat party is in favor of racist eugenicist Margaret Sanger and Nazis in Ukraine. I don't think that's a contradiction, but I know some people are gonna be bothered by that. But we are free speech zone here. Coming up this hour, Scotty Nell Hughes. And I'm not sure, but she was born a woman, right? 
I, I am sure about that. <laughs> okay, because the name's Scotty. You know what I'm saying? She could sneak one by us. But no, Scotty and I'll use all woman. Right? I think it's fair to say all woman. Quite a, quite a gal. Scotty and L. Hughes, a pro-life woman who's actually had kids, will be joining us later on in the hour. And from the streets of New York, Jason Goodman, out there covering the protests, and we'll bring him on as soon as he's ready, which is now. Okay, it's the backstory. Hey there, Jason. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well, I'm standing here with Charles Ortel. We're in Foley Square, and a lot of people have assembled here. Uh, I, I think certainly more than 2,000. How many people would you say are here, Charles? I don't know about 2,000. Maybe 1,000. I, I mean, I can't. Okay. I think 2,000 people fit into the uh, Beacon Theater. There's a ton of people here, Lee. The speeches and everything have not begun yet, but Immediately, what we notice is there's a lot of signs that have been offset printed. So either we have uh, offset printers that react with remarkable speed or somebody knew this was going to happen before yesterday. No, I, yeah, I think printing is a refined art. And I think they probably got it out. It's also fairly late in the day. So, so we'll see. But and they they were I'm sure they knew again they knew this decision was coming. Now, Jason, let me ask you: Where you are seeing this protest, do you see any white men who are protesting? A, a lot. Or okay, can you ask them to leave, please? Any what? Say again. Ask them to leave. Ask the white men to oh, leave. Exactly. They have no right to come. I'll ask them if they're biologists. No, I just get rid of them because Joel Siegel was on as our guest and he doesn't like the fact that it's a bunch of white men aside from Clarence Thomas and all the women that it's white men deciding this. So I'm, and and in fact, white men are responsible for a lot of abortions. And allow me to specify why. Because Planned Parenthood did a study about a third of abortions are because a boyfriend or husband wanted the woman to get an abortion. Did you did you hear that statistic? Right. I had not heard so, that before, but I mean, is it 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 seems likely to me, and it's Planned Parenthood saying it, so I have no reason to think that they were making that one up. Uh, they ask women why they get abortions, and a lot of it was because their boyfriend told them to, which is feminism in action. But what kind of signs are you seeing, Jason? The signs that we see are calling for safe legal abortion, my body, my business, or abortion rights or civil rights. Uh, there's one here that says, my body, my choice shows a mask. Your body, our choice, shows you through. And it says that that's got logic. Charles has already pointed out that it's a disingenuous sign. And uh, we were not the ones who were telling people what to do with the mask. At least I wasn't. But you raise another very good point, which is that 
in 2022, or at least prior to yesterday, it seems that the uh, mass acceptance of abortion has caused a lot of people to treat it as an alternative to uh, birth control. And they're saying the boyfriends are one third of the time encouraging women to get abortions. I had not heard that. That's an interesting fact, if uh, we can call it that. Now, now, are any very confused men out there holding up a My Body, My Choice? Are any men holding that sign? Uh, I see a woman holding that sign. I see a man a sign calling me for abortions. Here's a guy holding one. It says something in Spanish. Now they're starting with the organized channel. Okay, so now okay. Hey, we've G got some of the... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go so, ahead. No, I was going to say, now we've got a sort of protest over here. There's a main stage, so people who are familiar with Foley Square know that this is the uh, the African burial ground, the memorial to the African burial ground, and I think there's a slave trading market here in New York City on this location at some point. So there's right nearby, and there's a monument here where the main speakers are set up with a public address system and all that. And then there's a separate that's come over here just with a bullhorn that's currently attracting a lot of attention. We refuse to let the U.S. Supreme Court deny women's humanity, it says. And decimate. And decimate. And dignity. Decimate. And decimate. So there's a lot of signs. There's a lot of yelling. And here they're putting the various Jason. Jason, it, it's very loud there, so we're going to let you go, Jason. Yeah. Jason Goodman, our correspondent in New York. Okay, Thanks for the report. Stay, stay safe. Yeah, you bet. Jason Goodman, our Tuesday guest co-host, and now our roving abortion correspondent on the streets of New York, searching for white men to kick out of the event. But uh, 202-521-1320 is the number. If you want to call and specify your opinion, I'm sure we're, knowing our audience, I am proud to say that we have people from all viewpoints calling in when they call in. Because I'm very proud that we don't have a, a clear MO. Now, I expect this to get heated in the months that come ahead. Uh, Rod? You, yeah, and I have talked, you and I have talked before about Margaret Sanger's and the high abortion rate among black people. And you've been on, you've been listening to shows that I've co-hosted on Sputnik. And you know that issue in particular became very controversial at one point, correct? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Still, it still yeah. is uh, in the general public. I mean, even if you tell certain people who are uh, pro-choice, uh, like let's, let's say a Hispanic woman or a black woman, like you know, you ask them who Margaret Sanger is, they get real, uh, real sketchy about answering that question and and, and about the history of Margaret Sanger. No, yes, and and, and it's not surprising to me because. Margaret Sanger was disgusting. She was a racist, eugenicist, 
and explicitly in favor of abortion because she wanted to kill black people, very explicitly. She had the Negro Project to try to sell abortion to black people. And uh, I would say, have you heard of this, the Nation of Islam? This group? Of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. And I would say they're not beholden to white men. Would you say that? <laughs> not, not at all. Right. Louis Farrakhan and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X was with the Nation of Islam before someone maybe with the Nation of Islam killed him. But Nation of Islam is another white power group. It's a very pro-black group. And they were doing speeches around the country criticizing Margaret Sanger. Did you know that? Yeah, we have uh, certain intersections in Philly where the uh, Nation of Islam will be selling their paper and sometimes bean pies and, you know, try to get people to join or anybody who's interested. So, yeah, I've, I've seen them have those discussions with people in the public uh, in, th in different parts of Philly as a, as a younger man. And like, like I said, uh, certain people who are uh, uh, pro-choice or, you know, might have had multiple abortions. They, like I said, they get real squirmy, real sketchy when you get that conversation and details about it. Yes. And and I've talked to Minister Tony from the Nation of Islam. And uh, he was, uh, well, he talked about the Martin Sanger issue. They're against it, and not because they're rich white men. Because Calypso Louis, not a rich white man. But the Nation of Islam is a very pro-black group. That's fair to say, right, Rod? And they oppose black people being aborted. Now, here's the other thing on this. I'm not a science whiz, but it seems to me basic science. What, when pe people object to saying you're killing a baby when you kill a fetus that's not viable. But let me ask, I, maybe I'm missing something in science, but when a fetus grows up, what does it become? <laughs> it becomes a baby. It becomes That's an right. Infant. It becomes an infant, you know, then it becomes a baby, toddler, so on and so on. And let's say we had, who, who who's the first caller? Okay, so let's go to, the calls, I want to get to them, but uh, 202-521-1320. Tarif, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have four quick comments. First, I'd like to say free jewel and science. First comment is this. Putin signed a degree, degree saying that uh, basically they are um, going to start restricting strategic uh, um, um, minerals from unfriendly countries, and also it could be they might start seizing assets, assets of um, friendly. I mean, excuse me, unfriendly countries as well, such as Europe and United States. They're gonna stop sending material here and things of that nature. Those that's um, that's part of the sanctions. There's a rumor, a speculation. I'm I was I'm looking at different blog posts on Telegram and on Twitter that a general by the name of Trevor Trevor Kander from Canada. It was supposed to be a mercenary general was captured and brought to Russia. So we're going to see in June if they bring him out to see what's going on with that. My third comment, the, um, Zelensky had is, is imposing 
digital ID and I think a social credit school system in Ukraine. The EU is trying to pass it right now, digital ID, social credit. That means if you try to get on the Internet, you got to give up the ID first so they can recognize you. So you can't, you can't go, you know, and you can't have anonymity no more once you go on the um, uh, Internet with the digital ID and you got the social credit score. That would basically mess with your credit if you criticize government officials and things of that nature. My last comment is this. Now, in my full comment, my last comment, Ram- uh, Ramsey Kedidov um, made a statement that um, um, uh, Russia needs to start hitting Western Ukraine. And after how he made that statement, inc- um, um, increased tempo of... Cruise, cruise missiles start hitting uh, Lviv and different parts of um, Ukraine. So the thing is this, they, they're picking up the tempo with artillery strikes, the Russians, airstrikes, cruise missile strikes, using tanks, artillery fire, things like that, and now they're going for no mercy now. And now you're going to see the um, the casualty count in Ukraine for the next coming weeks is going to increase now. You know? And it's just in time for this thing dealing with well, that leak would happen with the Supreme Court that's going to take Ukraine off the um the um the map right now. Now you know, yeah, it's about to get serious in Ukraine. Thank you for taking my call. Thank y'all, gentlemen. Now I agree, it's about to get serious in Ukraine. There's something else I want to point out. I've been hearing a lot of news reports where they quote the mayor of Mariupol, and it's more than one NPR, and I keep hearing it, and he's accusing Russia of atrocities in Mariupol. And I wondered, Mariupol's been under siege by the Ukrainian government against the citizens. And I was wondering about this mayor, so I asked about him. Apparently, the mayor was elected in 2015. He split town the day of the invasion. He left Mariupol immediately. And he's apparently a, I'm not going to be able to say his name right, uh, Renat, the guy who owns the mine. Wait, what Command Central say? Right. His last name it begins with an A. And he's the guy who owns the mine, the catacombs. Do you know who that guy is, Rod? No, I, I, no, I don't know who Mem- he is. Remember the story that Paul Manafort interfered in the election, and gave polling data. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was the guy he supposedly gave it to. He's supposedly a Putin puppet, supposedly Putin's best friend. But now he's the guy who owns the catacomb mines. And this mayor is his puppet. That's clear. And this mayor is saying, accusing Russia of atrocities. And I'm seeing different accusations made by citizens in Patrick Lancaster's videos. But I find it very interesting. Isn't it interesting that the guy who owns that mine is the same guy who Manafort was supposedly collaborating with Putin by giving the polling data to? Isn't that fascinating, Rod? Yeah, no, that... that that brings uh, everything, well, not everything, but as far as that, that incident goes, it brings it full circle now because then it kind of seems like that's somebody that the Democrats just used to uh, 
to dirty up Paul Manafort. Because I've noticed that they they every every person who's got over four hundred and fifty bucks in the bank is a Russian oligarch who's a Putin friend. You notice that anybody in Russia, <laughs> if if you sell a used car in Russia, you're a Putin puppet and an oligarch. And Derpaska, Derpaska, who's who's has more than four fifty. Derpaska was called Putin's best friend, but I've seen the footage of Putin humiliating Derpaska by asking for his pen back. Remember that? I think he still got that pen, and he he's got it. You know, he's probably named it Oleg's pen. Right. So I noticed this, that what they try to do is anyone. Mark Soboda is a Russian oligarch who's Putin's best friend because he's in Russia. So I just noticed that, and we'll have more on that in the coming days, I'm sure. Mariupol is the mopping up operation is almost over. And uh, I, I, Tarif talked about the Canadian general. I've heard the same thing, but we'll find out for sure whether that is confirmed. But I believe it's possible. There we go. Five two one thirteen twenty in the two o two area code. Five two one thirteen twenty. Brave in Atlanta. Brave, what's on your mind? How's it going, Lee? I don't think you're gonna like me after this call, or at least at least my point, anyways. I uh, when when it comes to first, let me say when it comes to abortion, I, I tend to subscribe to the Tupac doctrine, right? Uh, I can't make one, so I have no I have no right to tell a woman when where she should have to have a baby. So that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, when it comes to that, but further on that argument, I, I just the I find both of the the Democrat and Republican arguments for and against abortion to be like um, an insult to people with intelligence and common sense. And fair-minded people, it, it just makes no sense. It's it's also dizzying. Like I understand, I understand closely a little bit when it comes to Republicans and the religious aspect of it, right? Or or any anybody's religious aspect uh, to that argument. I, I get that. But the idea of controlling someone else's body, I am just completely against that. When it comes to the vaccine, to the abortion, to anything, you have no right to control my body or the woman next to me's body. Our government has no right to do that. And I just the arguments that both sides uh, make for their side just seem to fall apart because Republicans uh, will scream about life and value in life, but they're all down for any war they can get into, one. And two, you, you would think if they were so um, concerned with life, that they would make it their point to make life better for citizens in this country so that maybe these, these citizens who are having, who are aborting these babies could afford to be able to take care of these babies or have provide a better life for these kids, right? And then the Democrats who swear to God that they, that they are so uh, pro-choice and that, is, and that is so it's such an important um, uh, law to keep on the books have found no time in their very busy schedules to actually get to Congress and pass a real law on it. So how much do they even care? And then I, I find it especially 
especially irritating when either side uses minorities and oppressed people as the reason why we have to either save save them from the racist agenda of aborting the babies or um, make sure they can abort the babies because they're oppressed. I, I just I find to be very irritating from both because it doesn't seem to be genuine. And I'm speaking specifically to the party arguments, not when I'm making my my. Um, criticisms of politics and the parties is never against the working people on the ground. It's always against well, well, the party. Let me, let me say this though. So first off, I agree with you broadly. Both parties use this as a money machine to get donations because they know it's a very emotional issue for people. Both parties do that, Republicans as well as Democrats. But the person who made race an issue initially was Margaret Sanger. Period. Margaret Sanger made race an issue, and she started the Negro Project, which she called it the Negro Project. And it was to get influential black people to talk black people into abortions. And she clearly was a racist. That's on the record. And so I would I would say do and and she formed a group, Planned Parenthood, which is synonymous with abortion in this country. So when the founder of Planned Parenthood was an avowed racist, does someone get to bring that up? No, no, I, I don't disagree with you on that. As a matter of fact, I'm very familiar with that. I'm very familiar with Marcus Sanger and, and, and the history of that. So I don't I don't um I don't uh, disagree with that. I don't. I don't pretend like that's not real, and that's not what I'm pointing at. I mean, that, that's that's obvious. I, I would also point out that many of the many many things <laughs> were started by many things in America were started by racist people to either take advantage of or hurt colored people, right? People of color, right? So, I mean, no, no. So, so this is explicit. She called it the Negro Project. She's not just. Doing something, she was explicitly trying to get black people killed, and she succeeded in huge numbers because the black abortion rate is much higher than the white abortion rate. And the person who told me that was Eddie Slaughter, a black farmer from Southwest Georgia, uh, uh, near Americus. And uh, Eddie, Eddie brought it up to me. I didn't know anything about it. So uh, I'm saying I'm, I'm proud of Eddie for knowing that, and, and I don't. I'm not. Again, I'm not disagreeing with that. Again, I, I, I'm familiar with that. I, 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 I've read about it. I know about it. I'm not disagreeing with it. What I'm saying is that um, that that is a factor. I would also say that um, the, the the Democratic Party uses the the, the Black Caucus to to hornswoggle Black people all the time, right? So what, what, again, my point is many, many. Many, there are many cases of our government, our governmental institutions, and institutions and systems in America, period, u- utilizing race to, to, uh, cause, to cause pain to people of color in this country. That's just, that's just a, a fact. So I don't disagree with that. What I am saying is I cannot stand. This is a personal thing. Like, I can't speak for all black people. I can only speak for myself. It irritates me when I hear either, um, say, a, uh, a conservative talk about, oh, well, this is a plot against black people. But, but then the conservative party, the Republican Party, does nothing for black people Outside of that, right? And then, and I'm speaking broadly. And then it, it further irritates me when I hear a, um, a Democrat talking head talk about, oh, how this is going to cause death among um, black people and oppressed parties. And they and they, they make no effort to pass any real laws. So what I'm saying is, it's hey, opportunist talking. Hey, 
what I'm saying. I'm not. Hey, brave, the brave, brave. I I gotta get to David because I'm checking the clock. We're almost at about the hour, and I gotta get next call. But I don't hate you, you know that, right? You know I don't hate you. It was a great call, brave, and call anytime. And I'd like to talk to you more about this. And I think you have an important perspective because I understand being irritated by it by some people who who do nothing but talk about it. And I'll talk about that in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But 202-521-1320, David in New York. David, what's on your mind? Uh, hi, yes. Uh, I have a question, but first a comment, I guess. Uh, uh, first, I, 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 I really liked, I thought you did a great pushback against Joel Siegel's uh, uh, arguments. Uh, and I, you're in fine form today. I, you sound much better than previously, so uh, I'm glad for that. But my question is uh, a naive question, because I don't really know. I mean, I have certain feelings about the issue, but I'm not really that educated about it. Um, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, that doesn't make abortion illegal, does it? You still have states that can decide one way or the other, and they can be challenged to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, can still strike down a particular state law if they feel it's egregious. Is that not right? That's right. And I was going to make that point to Joel and say what I said earlier, that in the state I'm in, South Dakota, they have what's called a trigger law. And that means if the Supreme Court rules overturns Roe versus Wade, immediately abortion becomes illegal in South Dakota. Immediately. But I don't think it's the case in New York or California. So the, the, you know, I, I don't see that. And also, I don't see the harm in traveling someplace. I, I, I don't see that. And, but that gets us into deeper stuff in the, I'm going to make the argument. See, this is now with us by which I mean my agenda on the radio show. And all I mean by agenda is topics that we cover is going to have to include abortion for the next several months. We could have put it off a couple months. Now what this means, this leak means we're talking about it now. So I'll be talking about abortion in the next segment with Scott and L. Hughes and for months to come on the backstory. Let's take a short break and when we come back, Scott and L. Hughes. Back on the backstory of Free Speech Zone, all opinions heard. 5201-1320 is the number to call. No more calls, though, actually. I realize we're out of time for calls because we got two clips and Scott and Ellis Hughes coming up. We're on 105.5 FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. on the backstory. Joining us now, great friend of the show, newswoman, Scotty L. Hughes. Scotty, how you doing? Well, let's just say today is election day, primary day, county primary day here in Tennessee, as well as Ohio. 
This was a day, Lee, that I had put on my agenda that I was going to be looking at the elections, the voter turnout, and analyzing, you know, how big of a red wave is that exactly what was going to happen uh, come this August and especially in November. But as you have talked about, and as we now know, last night, at, I guess it was about 9.30, 10 o'clock, it hit. Uh, this idea that the SCOTUS had done a vote back in February in a Politico story. And there's so many red flags about this leak. But the most important one that I think people need to look at right now is the timing. As in everything in politics in present day, the timing of what is happening and what would be the motivation for this leak to happen now, knowing that the actual vote itself was back in February. No, right. That, that's a good question. And I've said that really all this does is a push up. But what, what it does for someone and you've hosted shows, you know what I'm saying. As a person who co as a person who hosts a radio talk show, I now am going to have to talk about abortion. For the next several months, starting now. Right. I can't avoid it. Do you agree, Scotty? No show, no show can avoid it. No show can avoid it, except for the fact that if you're looking at this from two perspectives, one, if the motivation behind this leaker was to stop the vote from happening and what we think where it says those lines are going to be drawn, which, by the way, Justice Roberts says it's not accurate um, from happening and to change and put pressure on to change those votes. Uh, if that's the motivation, okay, that's what we're seeing right now. But it's not as big of a backlash. I mean, we're not seeing the Pink Hat Brigade putting on their yarn hats and gathering by the thousands at every state capitol, but especially up in Washington, D.C., yet. Not saying that they're not getting angry. Elizabeth Warren tried to get the tribe going today. But you're not seeing that, you know, the, the buildings aren't burning yet. So then you go, okay, was this about inciting, motivating? Because all, all of a sudden I've seen this rash of other progressive, I say more progressive agenda items, whether I agree with them or not, to be discussed. But now they're talking about, well, this also opens up the door for them to repeal the idea of gay marriage being recognized by the U.S. government. All of these other very more social issues that Democrats seem to always win on and motivate their base to get out. Was this put out there early on to motivate people to get to the polls come August or come November? Because right now, nothing's really motivating the Democrats. In fact, most Democrats are in their holes hiding, refusing to look at the word Democrat. But here's my biggest fear, Lee. They did this really soon. If that was their motivation, they did it really early. Because what comes next after the abortion is guns and rape. And it just it just ratchets it up the heat like like we've seen before happen. We know their strategy. We know how they act. And I think that the the problem is, did they do this too early? And are we going to have to live through the next few plagues to hit the U.S.? Now, Scotty, I described you uh, earlier in the show as a pro-life woman. Is that fair to say? Well, today I get to actually be recognized as a woman because I've given birth to two. But, yes, I am extremely pro-life. That's probably my one, my hard line growing up as a, as a woman of faith and having two children myself. Um, I, that is probably one of those lines that I do. Uh, there's just no, there's no black or white on me. But I think a big misconception for those that don't realize 
is that I also believe in the case of medical intervention, the case of rape or incest, especially if the mother's life is at risk. That still makes me extremely pro-life. That is a twist, because I think that's what most compassionate, especially compassionate people would be like, would see it in those cases. Um, but that still makes me pro-life, just because I believe that if, there's, if the mother's life is at risk, sometimes there has to be medical intervention. And for that, um, I, I, they try to put those people in the category of being pro-choice, and that's, that's not accurate. Now, Scotty, you know, of course, our great producer, Rod from Philly, right? Yes. Now, I'm going to have a fictional scenario that involves killing Rod, but hang on. It's nothing personal. I'm just using it as an example because I don't want to kill you and I don't want to kill me. But if we went back in time, if we were to go back in time a month before Rod's birthday and find his mom and kill her, and Rod died, there'd be no Rod, correct? You follow me? There's no Rod. Mm -hmm. Now, if we were to go back nine months earlier, when she just gotten pregnant, same scenario, who would there be no of? If, if he had not, if he'd been aborted nine months earlier, as soon as she gave birth, who would not have been born? Rod, right? Right. It's not like an iguana would not have been born or a chestnut tree, right? That's still Rod back nine months before. So this is uh, a macabre way of illustrating the point that I don't think the conception argument changes the fundamental point. Uh, I've heard a lot of people who were pro-choice at one point but then they get older and they've had a few kids and they start thinking about their kids and they start thinking, well, if I'd aborted Billy or whoever, Jack in my case, if I, or Shane, if we'd aborted Shane, there'd be no Shane. It's, and, and they think I wouldn't do that. Right. And a lot of people try to, I, I think the science is clear on this. At any stage, a fetus grows into a baby and then into an adult of some sort. Am I missing anything in the science here, Scotty? You've had babies. Was your, was your baby going to turn into an iguana at one point? Or was it always going to be a baby and that specific baby? That's it. And that and that you're correct. You're very correct. And over the last 40 years, how many uh, Rods, Dave's, Lee's, Scotty's, Lexi's, Zach's, how many did we not were we not able to have bless us on this earth and what their contribution to society was going to be? And that's the sad part. That's what actually makes my heart hurt. And so when they make this line that you are anti-woman, you are anti-women's hell just because you are pro-life, uh, that is exactly opposite. I'm actually pro-women's uh, health because I, there's a 50% chance, or who knows, sometimes now in many states you could have an abortion after you know what the gender of that kid is. I am pro that woman and that male having a chance to live. 
And I think that's one of those, you know, it's, it's how that argument, that narrative was taken away and stolen initially and twisted to where it's like, no, I'm actually very much pro-women's health. There's a 50% chance that's a woman in that woman's u- uterus. Um, let's see if she, let's get, she deserves a chance to live and I'm, I'm going to fight for her life. And if she's a man, great. I fought for his life too. Now, luckily we have an inspirational president who will bring clarity and will bring us together on this issue. I'm joking, of course. Let's play the clip. Here's Joe Biden talking about this today. Hit it. Joe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded, that right, that the existence of a human life and being is a question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is it, is it quickening, like Aquinas argued? I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. Now, so did that make you feel any better, Scotty? Memoirs of a confused Catholic is what I think his biography should be termed when he is out of office. Uh, no. And what I think is the biggest fallacy, and I think, you know, the memes are already being started, but I have a real hard time coming from an administration that just a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, underneath President Trump, where we were being forced to wear masks, forced to take a vaccination if we wanted to keep our job or go travel or live our life. Our, the government came in and said, nope, it's not your body. It's not your choice or it's your choice if you actually want to work or not, provide for your family. They lost. And that's what the, a great, interesting argument all of this is. The government lost their abortion argument when they, you know, of letting people have privacy and individual rights, not when I have to turn into my managers, my, my scores or my uh, test for COVID or my vaccination record. You lost that right as a government to say that I have privacy because you took it away from me just a year ago. And guess what? I don't have short-term memory loss. I remember it very well, and I remember all of the people who lost their jobs, all the firefighters, all those that lost, uh, that were kicked out of the military. I remember it very well, and it's infuriating that now they're going to try to invoke that again, that idea of privacy and health care. Uh, doesn't work so well anymore, guys. You lost that argument. Right. No, no, it's a good point. It's a great point. And I made that point earlier on Twitter and someone said to me, well, it's not at all the same because you getting a vaccine is different than abortion because abortion harms no one 
outside yourself, but the vaccines keep other people safe. And I said, I don't know if you look at the science, but it harms one person for sure, the baby. And and they they're trying to make logical leaps about this. But uh, now I want to turn from abortion quickly to the issue of the censorship and the disinformation governance board. Now, this has been in the news lately. What's your quick take on that, Scotty? This is absolutely ludicrous that Mary Poppins herself would come in. And let me just, I know you've made this point probably over and over because, Lee, you and I think a lot alike. Let me remind people who were the people that had those in the past that had that had governance forges. Adolf Hitler had a Ministry of Truth. Joseph Goebbels had the Ministry of Truth. Joseph Stalin had a Ministry of Truth. Joseph Biden had a Ministry of Truth. History doesn't lie. It repeats itself. And this is one that we're starting to repeat, and it's not a good one. Now, let's hear what Barack Obama discussing the issue of censorship and social media. Let's hear what the former president has to say. Hit it. Civic community, it's relevant to our democracy, citizenship. Uh, we're going to have to rebuild within this wild, wild west of information flow some sort of curating function that people agree to. Uh, you know, I use the analogy in politics. It used to be there were three television stations and Walter Cronkite's on there. and. Uh, not everybody agreed, and there were always outliers who thought that it was all propaganda and we didn't really land on the moon and uh, Elvis is still alive and so forth. But generally that was in, you know, the, the, the papers that you bought in uh, the supermarket, right, uh, as you were checking out. Um, and, and generally people trusted a, a basic body of information. Um, it wasn't always as democratic as it should have been. And Zoe's exactly right that, for example, on something like climate change, we've actually been doing some interesting initiatives where we're essentially deputizing citizens with handheld technologies to start recording information that then gets pooled. They're becoming scientists without getting the PhD. And we can do that in a lot of other fields as well. But there has to be, I think, some sort of way in which we can uh, sort through information that passes some basic uh, truth, truthiness tests uh, and, uh, and, and those that we have to discard uh, because they just don't, don't have any basis in uh, anything that's actually happening in the world. And that's hard to do, uh, but I think it's, it's, it's going to be necessary, it's going to be possible. I, I think uh, the answer is obviously not censorship, but it's, it's creating places where people can say this is reliable. Well, let me, since he's talking about history, we used to have three networks and so on. I don't have to go back, all the way back to Vietnam, for instance, in the Gulf of Tonkin, I can go back to the Gulf War. The government lied. No, there's no doubt about it. The U.S. government lied about weapons of mass destruction. Right, Scotty? Absolutely. Vietnam, Iraq. The government's lied in almost every war that we've been involved in in the United States. 
and yet we continue to allow them to get away with it by electing them into office. And we're and and who Barack Obama is suggesting to that curating is the government who's lied. The problem is, as long as the government's lied, and everybody remembers weapons of mass destruction, everybody remembers. Not as many people know about the Gulf of Tonkin, and it's shocking to people who know about it. But that is not taught in school books. But the government has a history of lying to the public. And the idea that the government would determine, and that's a bigger issue than Elvis being dead, right? And he doesn't want to talk about those issues. But bring up that issue, Barack Obama. And that's Barack Obama in his folksy sort of way, trying to slide by the fact that the danger of this is the government lying. Do you agree, Scotty? Oh, you're speaking the truthiness there, Lee, uh, to coin uh, Barack Obama's word itself, truthiness. I'm going to add that to my, my repertoire of, of words Democrats have taught me since, they, since I have been a journalist. Uh, here's the thing. This is all about the fact that they want to punish. And as we've seen the last four years, they want not only punish, and he says he doesn't, doesn't want to censor. This isn't about censorship. Well, because censorship is a word that looks bad. So they're going to rephrase it. And they're going to make sure, and when you put it, and if you look at the initial announcement of this Department of Truth or whatever it's called, the Ministry of Truth, they're going to put it that has law enforcement and military as also actions. Uh, but it's really just to make sure that in times of natural disaster, so that only the truth gets out. Because, you know, during a natural disaster, there's a lot of misinformation out there about where to go. Uh, no. They, they, once again, they're never they're, – they're covering – they're using the good intentions, the good hearts of American citizens in order to control us more. Same thing they did with COVID, and we're about to fall for it again, maybe. And that is the very scary part is how much will Americans take? Uh, and, and we're looking at it right now, whether you're going to be talking about abortion or gun rights or race issues, uh, they're going to they're going to try to find some way to to get their way. Because as we've learned, Lee, uh, it, it, it's, it's looking at the war in Ukraine. You still have a large majority of, of U.S. citizens that don't know the truth about what's going on over there or that this has been going since 2014. And they what they were able to do was censor the voices out there. There's very few voices that are telling the truth out there. And we have President Obama today going down to Montgomery, Alabama, to Lockheed Martin and saying that almost one third of the U.S. Uh, arsenal that is made there, and I think it was it's one of the, the missiles that's made that we've sent to Ukraine. So guess what that means? Let's make more, booster more military, and, and celebrating it. And people looking at it like this is a patriotic duty to do, to make more weapons. And yet at the same time, you have the mayor of New York yesterday on the back of his tuxedo saying stop gun violence. More Americans have been killed in the streets of the U.S. that have been killed over in Ukraine, and yet our government decides to do nothing about it except put in a ministry of truth, and yet they don't ever fail to actually recognize the own truth of what's going on in the U.S. today. And allow me to uh, give Barack Obama some how to be black lessons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just because of Barack Obama mixed race, his father was black, his mother was white. That was the white part of him talking, giving that speech. And the reason I say that is Elvis you're, you're white. Uh, that's fair to say, right, Scotty? Do you ever hear people talk about Elvis is alive? I never hear it. 
I never hear white, white people talking about that. Do you? Uh, no, but we are not obsessed about it. So no, there's not. Now, um, now, granted, do you know who? And, and, they say that and 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 and. But I'll tell you who people do talk about being alive. Rod, back me up on this. Tupac. Pac being alive is a full-blown conspiracy theory. And a lot of black people talk about that. So if we wanted to use a hip current reference, Rod, how am I doing? Am I correct? Yeah, no, that would have been more valid than Elvis. I don't hear anybody talk about Elvis. Right. So it was, it was Obama's white half bringing that up. All he could think of was Elvis. He didn't bring up Pac. But Pac, that's a full-blown conspiracy theory. But I think the reason he didn't bring up Pac is because that would tend to make black people look like conspiracy theorists. Because that skews more. I, I don't hear. But by the way, I, I, I hear more white people talk about Pac conspiracy theories than Elvis conspiracy theories. Tupac comes up more with white people, too, than Elvis. No one, everybody took one look at Elvis towards the end of his life. He was a bit chunky, and they believe he, he might have died the way they said. But, but that was just a bizarre example. And Barack Obama purposely avoided, the reason he used moon landing and Elvis is because he wants to avoid the political issue. And the political issue is what we're facing right now. He didn't bring up the Biden laptop. The Biden laptop story and, and Scotty, I think the White House is still in denial about the Biden laptop story. Notice that? Have they even mentioned the Biden White House story? I mean, Saki said, I'll get back to you. She didn't even say, I'll get back to you on that. She went it, just went into a dead end with it and it never brought up again. I don't really think they've even addressed it. There's been no pressure put on by Congress, by Republican members. And this isn't as much on the Republicans. There's no pressure calling for congressional hearings on it, investigations, why members of the media knew about it, why members of the Republican Party knew it. Nobody. They would just as much as soon forget that as they would forget about Elvis dying. Now, Scotty. I'm going to ask you a question about how you think this is going to affect the elections. But you're saying it's election day in Tennessee, right? It is. It's, it's the county primary day. So it's all of your dog catchers, aldermen, school board members, and it's just a primary day. But this will be a good idea if people are engaged enough to turn out. Now, do you have any school board issues like we're having in Virginia, for instance, where parents are angry about a pornographic book being in the school libraries. Do you have any big school board fracases down in Tennessee? Well, and that's the thing is, is we do. And the good news is a few years ago, the Republicans down here caught on and realized that and in a state as red as, as Tennessee has been for as long as it's been, the argument is not Republicans beating Democrats. It's Republicans uh, beating Democrats who are disguised as ours because that's the only way you can get elected. They did not catch on to our school board races. We're not partisan. So Democrats are always running as school board members. If you were here and wanted to be politically active, you ran for school 
school board. It's just this term is the first year, the first election today, where school board members are having to declare if they are Republican or Democrat. Our big issue in the state legislature, there's a little controversy of it, has taken out the ability, all uh, all libraries and textbooks will now be reviewed by a 14-person panel that the governor puts into place and uh, will be reviewed. That's very controversial on both sides because it seems like a, a, you know, a step of bureaucracy in place. A lot of librarians here are offended because they feel like they're losing their freedom of choice and their freedom to, to have over their own libraries. Uh, but that is just one way that they're trying to get this idea that we have now found out this CRT. There is a ver- there is a version of critical race theory that's being taught in all of our schools, but it's coming in under math and science. And English is, is just rarely is it in English. It's in all these others that you would not think to look for it. But when you start looking at your kids' education, like most parents did in Tennessee and across the country, when it came to uh, the coronavirus with them being at home, it really woke a lot of these parents up. In fact, Tennessee was where you had the big outrage in Franklin and Williamson County, where the school board members, uh, they some got arrested, where an all-out fight broke out um, because the school board refused to listen to the now, Scotty, I assume you 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 think the Elon Musk buying Twitter is good, right? I'm cautiously optimistic about Elon Musk. The good news is it could not get any worse. So I think. Now, okay, yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair position to take. But let me ask this, because we got the presidential race coming up in a couple of years. Donald Trump has famously said that he's not going to go back on Twitter. Because he's sticking with his own crappy platform, Truth, which is a bad platform. It's just technically bad. Do you think that shows a a bad decision-making process by Donald Trump? Do you think Donald Trump should avoid going on Twitter if Elon Musk lets him back on? I think that shows just 100 percent that Donald Trump is looking out for his own interest over getting the message out for the agenda that he wants to push. And I think that's a bad whoever advised him on that. That's the thing, Lee, as you and I both know, a lot of these platforms of the last two, three years were created from those conservative activists that really saw the opportunity with Twitter banning conservatives and pushed them over and created their own platforms to go on. The problem is, is you have to have infrastructure. You have to have a lot of money. Money to build those servers, and they were never able to get them up as successful as Twitter. So now that Twitter is looking to be more libertarian, more free-minded, all of those places right now are panicking, going, but we've already put in money, maybe not as much as we should have. We should have put in more, but we've still put in a lot of money, and they know that their uh, platforms will not succeed if Twitter succeeds. That's right. Scotty L. Hughes, great appearance. Thanks for coming on the show. Great appearance. Thanks to Jason Goodman for being our correspondent in New York. And thanks to Joel Siegel for the spare decision on Roe vs. Wade. More tomorrow. We'll be back on The Backstory. Backstory.